Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Get Lit with Becky podcast, the podcast dedicated to your development and helping you light all the way up. My name is Becky and I am business mentor, empowerment coach and founder of Get Lit Inc, the home to your business, career and personal development. And I am on a mission to help as many of you as I can shine brighter and access your fullest potential. It is time to shush that inner critic of yours, break through your limiting beliefs and self-defeating behaviors, build up your self-worth, get out of your own way and fearlessly step into your power so that you can build a life that you love and a mindset that will take you places. This podcast is for the dreamer, the believer, the go-getter and the inspired. Let's get lit. In today's episode, I am talking to the incredible Sarah Knight. The life-changing magic of not giving a fuck has been published in more than 30 languages and her TEDx talk, The Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, has more than 9 million views. Many of the books in her No Fucks Given Guide series have been international bestsellers, including Get Your Shit Together, which was on the New York Times bestseller list for 16 weeks. So hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Get Lit podcast. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute honor. Many, many, many of your books have changed so much of my thinking um, and 100% have led to the way that I show up in my life, the way that I run my business. Um, and, is, is, you know, it's such a pivotal part of my growth for sure. Um, I guess, firstly, introducing you, I know most of my audience will know who you are. They would have read your books, but I love to kind of explore in a little bit more depth. I have quite a big community of um, people who are high achievers, uh, people who have done probably very well in their lives, maybe questioning how they can bring more purpose into their life or feed into their lives in a different way. A lot of entrepreneurs kind of follow me as well. Um, And I think firstly, just starting with your story would be really interesting um, because it's a real inspiration, I think, to a lot of our listeners. It's also very aligned to my story as well, leaving a job in publishing. It's so interesting when you come across people that you resonate with. Um, So I'd love to hear a little bit about how that transition happened and where in that this whole concept of giving less fucks kind of came into fruition (laughs) and it has been the basis for so much of your success in, in the work that you've done. 
Sure. Well, uh, I'm thrilled to hear that the books have helped you on your way to uh, living your best life. And I really (laughs) appreciate the shout out. Um, Yeah. So uh, in 2015, I quit my job as a senior editor at one of the top book publishers in New York, Simon & Schuster. I'd been in that career for 15 years. And over the course of I would say the prior five to 10, I'd been starting having really big problems with anxiety and panic and also depression. And um, that kind of came to a head when I had what I later discovered was my first panic attack in my mm-hmm. office, uh, in my Manhattan <laughs> high rise office building. And I, I was seeing black spots in my vision and my heart was pounding and I thought I was gonna pass out. And uh, you know, I ended up down at the nurse's office. Thankfully we had a nurse uh, on staff at that time. And yeah, that's crazy. Um, we didn't have one at our building. Yeah, she building. kind of laid me down in a dark room and she said, you know, has this ever happened before? I said, no. She said, do you think you're having a panic attack? I was like, what? Panic attacks? Now this is something I have to deal with in addition to all of the stuff that as it turned out, yeah was contributing to my overall uh, sense of overwhelm and burnout and just, you know, burning the candle at both ends, juggling all the balls in the air for so long. I'm a type A, overachieving, organized, you know, ambitious person. I always have been. And so right around the time I was, you know, 35-ish, I had already gone through a couple of big leaps in my career. I had planned a wedding. I had gotten married. I bought my first apartment and I was sort of living it, you know, living the dream, so to speak. Ticked it all off. Yeah. And, um, and at the time having really, really great success in my career as an editor. Uh, and I just, obviously there was something going on that my body and my, and my brain in concert were trying to tell me was not sustainable. So after that episode, um, and unfortunately after a few more that I didn't, you know, because I didn't start taking care of myself right away. I got a little bit worse before I got better, but then I, you know, started looking into uh, anti-anxiety practices, meditation, journaling, uh, medication, and, uh, and I saw a doctor and I started to dial back a little bit. And then I was in the final years of, of that career and things started to get bad again. And I really just had to ask myself and answer honestly, which is something I'm constantly telling my readers and podcast listeners to do, what is wrong here and why? And the answer really turned out to be not my job in the sense that I didn't love working with books and authors and I didn't love the process of editing, but the environment. I'm just not cut out for a corporate environment. And I'm very good at office diplomacy and I hate it. You know, I'm very good in meetings and I hate them. Uh, And it started to occur to me that I really needed to work for myself if I was going to be able to have any hope of getting out of this cycle of panic uh, and anxiety and depression that was primarily being caused by the type of work I was doing. So long story short, I decided I was going to leave that job. It took me a year, uh, both to save up financially to do that and also just kind of psychologically, uh, Mm -hmm. to force myself from everything I always thought, you know, defined me um, as a young woman on the up and up in New York. And, uh, and then I did it. And I left that job in the summer of 2015. And I started working for myself as a freelance editor. And then I had the idea for my first book, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck. Shocking that that idea came to me. Yeah. (laughs) 
in the first months of, of being freed from that job. And, uh, and I wrote a proposal and I sold the book and I wrote the book and it came out um, and the rest is history. There are five notebooks given guides now, three journals, a page a day calendar and a podcast. So that's where we are. It's incredible. And it's, there's so, there's such an inspirational story to that as well, especially for someone myself, like I'm nodding and smiling along. Cause I'm like, that was me. I was working in publishing for Hearst and I had to leave and I had to save up for a year and a half to be able to do it. And, you know, I'm probably, I'm just, my first book just came out. So I'm like looking at you, like that's what's possible. And I'm sure so many of, <laughs> thank you. And so many of my listeners are exactly what you described. And so am I, you know, overachieving type A, like got to get it all done, n- needing to achieve, needing to strive, always used to doing the best. And I think it's really interesting what you said about being really good in that environment, but hating it. How did you actually come to that realization that I'm good in this environment, but I absolutely hate it? You know, I really, um, I looked at things in a very micro way. When I was having a really bad day, I said, you know, what is wrong with my life and why? I translated this actually into what I call the what, why method in Mm -hmm. my second book, Get Your Shit Together. Yeah. And I said, you know, what is it that has upset me so much today? What is it that put me over the edge? And I just started to realize the pattern was um, oftentimes, and I freely admit, you know, I want to be in control of my own destiny. You know, I am a control freak. And I like to use that as a force of good in my own work and my life and my relationships. Um, And I wasn't getting enough control working in a corporate environment where I had to report to multiple people uh, for multiple things, multiple times a day. And it just felt like I was constantly mired in bureaucracy Mm -hmm. and in these processes that I did not necessarily respect because I felt like they were designed 50 years ago and never really updated for, you know, for a current uh, environment and, and the way that people work now. And I felt particularly that I was the lead advocate for my authors. You know, as a book editor, you purchase a book project from the author's literary agent, and then you edit the book, you're in contact with the author daily, you know, you're helping them on the creative side, but you also become the the mouthpiece and the advocate to the publisher on behalf of that author. Well, the publisher is also your boss. So It was just a very complicated, uh, constant dance of me trying to do the best that I could on behalf of my authors, which of course also reflected on me, but also trying to serve my corporate overlords. And it just, it's not in me to do that. I need to be an independent force. And so as I asked myself on a daily basis, what is it, you know, what is wrong here and why the answer really became clear that I just, I needed to be able to work for myself. And so how was I going to make that happen? Amazing. And it it is, again, just so relatable. And I actually, I always think that about my editor. I'm like, how do you deal with me and them and what they want? <laughs> it's a lot. And then it's not just me. There's like five other editors, uh, five other authors as well that you're dealing with. So let's talk about giving less fucks, right? Because I think it is so powerful. And I love in all of your books anyway, that stems at the bottom of a lot of it anyway, is this idea of giving fewer, better fucks. And I think the better fucks bit is also really interesting. But where did that concept come to you? I I, I read about it. And I thought it was really interesting. But where to explain to our, our listeners, like how did that idea come to you that actually it's because I give so many fucks about everything that I'm not living my life to its best potential. This is so true. It's one of those like such a simple but such a true concept. Actually, right before I left my job, I read 
Marie Kondo's Japanese tidying Bible, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And I realized that everything she was doing for your physical space, for organizing your sock drawer and cleaning out your garage and, you know, creating a sanctuary to do uh, work in your home office, I had been doing for the contents of my brain. Mm -hmm. I had been systematically deciding that I no longer gave a fuck and, you know, I did not care about certain elements of my career trajectory that I used to care about, uh, what other people thought of me that used to rule my life. And I had been discarding those in the same way that Marie Kondo would have you discard, you know, a sweater that you haven't worn in five years Mm -hmm. and that you're never going to wear again. Um, So I kind of thought to myself, well, what if I were to write a book that really teaches people how to mentally declutter and takes these ideas of discarding the tasks, the obligations, the relationships, you know, often people who just don't serve you. Um, I say you don't give a fuck and I mean, you don't care, but I also mean, and this is really the key that you then don't give your fucks in the form of your time, energy, and money. Those are your three poor, precious resources. I call them your fuck bucks (laughs) and deciding where to spend them is making your fuck budget. and so really the the core concept behind that first book was about identifying, you know, the value of your time and energy and what you want to spend it on that serves you. And again, sometimes that's about what, as Marie Kondo would say, brings you joy. Um, but what I really try to get people to narrow their focus onto is what annoys you? Yeah. What do you want to get rid of? What doesn't make you feel good? And what doesn't serve you in the sense that, yes, you might still have to go get up and go to work every day, even if that annoys you a bit, but it serves you because you need the paycheck because you have to Mm -hmm. pay rent, Mm -hmm. buy your groceries, et cetera. Um, But once you get a handle on making your fuck budget, you can start to, you know, dig a little deeper and think, well, maybe it does annoy me to get up and go to this job every day. Perhaps that means I need a different job. Um, You know, and so you can just keep, as I said, peeling back the layers and getting really micro in identifying the things that make you happiest, the things that don't, and then decluttering them, you know, getting your brain space nice and clear so that you can then devote more time, energy, and money to the things that do serve you, the better fucks. Fewer, better fucks, that's the idea. Yeah, and I love that. I love the better fucks because so many people focus on the annoyances more than they focus on the things that they love, the things that aren't serving them than the things that they love. And a lot of the talk, a lot of the kind of concept that we talk about here on the podcast is like manifesting what you want, raising your vibe. My book was, is predominantly written around manifesting. And when, when I'm hearing you talk, it's like, actually that's, it's leading you right to being able to create a better life because you're giving more time and energy to the things that make you feel good. Where would you say that most people give a lot of their, like, what thing do you think most people give a fuck about most? Do you think it's what other people think of them or? Absolutely. That is the number one. You have to stop giving a fuck about what other people think. And I say that and people are like, oh my God, I can't. That's the hardest thing in the world. I can't. But what I like to remind you is you should only be giving a fuck and spending your fucks on things that you can control. You can control your own behavior. Mm -hmm. You cannot control what somebody else thinks about it. So there are going to be people that don't like you because you remind them of someone they don't like. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people that don't like you because they're jealous of something you have that they wish they had. You know, there are going to be people who don't like you legitimately because the first time you showed up in their lives, you made a misstep and 
they kind of labeled you as someone that they that they didn't give a fuck about and, and it's over and it's done with and you can't change that. You can only focus on your own behavior. Being a good person, being a good boss, being a good colleague, being a good parent, a good sibling, a good child, a good partner. Um, and if you know that you are doing the best you can and that you're allocating your fuck budget in a way that is making you, you know, the most available uh, to others in your lives that you can be while also taking care of yourself, then that's the best you can do. Mm. You have to stop allocating all of those fuck bucks, all of that time and energy and money. A lot of people spend yeah. a lot of money trying to become something or present yeah. as something that they think other people want or need them to be. And if you can stop giving a fuck about what other people think, you are going to free up a whole lot in your fuck budget to do with as you please. I love, it. So, I love it. I love how much we're saying fuck as well. It feels so good. <laughs> Sometimes so I'm like, oh my God, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't I'm... get any, uh, any pre-admissions uh, uh, from No, I mean, it would be silly for me to interview if we couldn't. I literally am such a swearer as well. And sometimes on the podcast, I'm like, can I do that? No, but it feels really good. Why do you think people find it so hard? Because you mentioned previously about being like a control freak slightly. And actually, I think it's really amazing to hear someone own that and be like, it's not a bad, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to control your happiness of your life. Do you think a reason why people find it so hard to stop giving such a fuck is actually it kind of feels like they're letting go of control? I do. It feels like you're letting go of the person that mm. you always thought you were mm -hmm. and what defined you. And that was a, a huge uh, challenge for me, you know, as somebody, even going back to, you know, the panic attacks and the subsequent depression, there was a lot of resistance on my part for a while to do anything about that, to see a doctor, uh, mm. to, to try any medication, because I felt like if I calmed down, I was going to lose my edge. I thought anxiety is just my lot in life. It's what, you know, it, it's what results from the kind of person I am, who is mm. somebody who, you know, gets shit done and like, you know, kicks ass and takes names and, and has so much energy and focus and, and success as a result. So I really, I became, you know, there was just a, a moment of desperation when I was like, this is not tenable. I can't, I can't live my life and work to a high level if I'm constantly being felled by panic attacks, which if, um, if you or if anybody listening, you know, has never had one, they're, they're just yeah. incredibly debilitating. So, yeah. um, you know, so I was resistant because I thought that changing my trajectory, um, altering the course of my career would sort of uh, detract from everything that I had put forward into the world about who I am and what an mm. ambitious, successful person I am. And it turned out that actually taking care of myself <laughs> made me more successful yeah. um, and, and just happier while doing it. So I do think that relinquishing control and trying to quote unquote relax if you are a really high strung, yeah. um, ambitious type A person does feel like a you know, just, just like a complete, um, sh shift in everything yeah. that you thought you were and everything that you, you put out there into the world. Um, and, and you do worry that people are going to think less of you. Uh, you do worry that people might be disappointed in you, uh, and that you might be, be disappointed in yourself. But I can say in my experience, none of that happened. Yeah. Uh, it actually, everything got much better. So. so true. So interesting how also like, that concept of it gave you almost meaning like I can really identify with 
almost the drama and the being the, having something to talk about and there being drama in my life was almost kind of what I clung on to as like having a place in this world and it was like my purpose you kind of feel like you might become irrelevant without all of that that drama around you so it's really interesting to hear you say that how how quick was it when you started giving less fucks that this kind of stress and the burnout and the overwhelm left like the panic attacks as well I I would say that, uh, you know, during that year that I was still working in my job and, Mm. and by the way, still working to a very high level and Mm -hmm. very successful and nobody seemed to have any inkling that I had no intention of being there in 12 months time. Uh, I really started to feel the, uh, the great results of having let go, you know, psychologically, I knew that I was taking steps toward, um, a future of a, you know, a better better way of life for me. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, you know, quote unquote, stop giving a fuck about yeah. certain things about my job that it turned out had never been important in terms of me being able to be successful and to do mm-hmm. my job well. So for example, business lunches. I always hated oh. business lunches. <laughs> yeah. Interpersonal theater, the waste of 90 minutes of my day, often having to take a subway yet again. You know, I've already taken the subway 45 minutes to the office. Then I have to take another 20 minutes to lunch and 20 minutes back. And it was really preventing me from getting actual work done. And this kind of glad handing aspect of publishing is a very old school way to think about it. And a lot of people really enjoy it and more power to them, but I don't. So I just made the decision that I was going to stop scheduling business lunches. And if my boss happened to notice, because my expense account was, you know, less every month and he said something and, and told me that I needed to be doing it. And then it was an important part of my job then I might have reconsidered, but he didn't notice, or if he did, he didn't say anything. And it certainly didn't prevent me from acquiring books that went on to be really successful and having great relationships with literary agents and scouts and other people that I used to be having lunch with. And said I could just talk to him on the phone or have a fun email exchange and get, you know, 90 minutes to two hours of my day back. Yeah. And on a weekly basis, that really adds up. Yeah. I literally resonate, remember so much being at work and we were KPI'd like literally on how many meetings we were having with other people when we were selling in the the advertising space. And I was like, it's, I would like just go out and go shopping and pretend that I was out meeting <laughs> people because I was like, this is such a waste of my time. We can get so much done. It's so true. Welcome to Mum's the Word, a brand new parenting podcast with me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles and all the other problems that come with parenting. I'm not going to be sugarcoating anything. It's all about truths, taboos and of course celebrating the amazing highs too. Each week I'll be talking about the journey of being a mum. For me it's my first time so I'll have some celebs and experts and you guys to help join me and hopefully figure out what on earth I'm meant to be doing. It's a podcast for all the parents out there, our very own little club. Hit follow now so you don't miss an episode. Mum's the Word, the parenting podcast with me, Ashley James. Coming soon. It's the best parenting podcast out there. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We obviously spoke there about people, like giving a fuck about what people think about you. How did that shift um, when you started giving less of a fuck? I, I, I remember reading in your book about how people then actually started to like respect you more and actually like want like kind of allow that space. How does that how does that work? And how do people respond when you give less fucks? Yeah, I mean, one of the greatest pleasures in the last five years five or six years since I've been doing this is to watch um, not only, you know, the fan mail come in from readers, but really to see my friends and mm. family take notice and go, God, you used to be so much less happy and just so much more sort of high strung and, and tightly mm. wound and, and kind of, you know, not as, as relaxed. And, um, and like you had this great career and, and, you know, we saw you succeeding, but now you're just, like sort of have have fully realized yourself as a person and, and we want that you know yeah. and I've, I've had people say like I'm leaving my job like uh, I saw you do this and yeah. I know I can do it or I'm changing um the terms of my job you know I'm gonna ask if I can work from home two days a week and get it um yeah. and so that's really been incredibly satisfying and gratifying is for people who who knew me in the before time and who know me now have been able to watch this change in me and read the books, but also, you know, get some of this advice one-on-one. Yeah. One-on-one, on one. yeah. And, uh, and go ahead and implement it in their own lives in large and small ways. You know, another thing that I want people to understand is you don't have to blow up a whole career. Um, I also happened to leave New York City altogether and move to the Dominican Republic yeah, with my amazing. husband um, in the same year that all of this stuff happened with my first book. And so those are big life changes. Wow. You don't have to do that, but you can make small life changes that really um, have an enormous ripple effect on just your day-to-day well-being. What would, I actually think that's a really interesting point and something that I think needs to be said a lot more in this world because I, I too left my career and started a business. It was a big move. And actually there is a big narrative at the moment that in order for things to change in your life, you have to make these huge impactful changes. So I think that's actually really nice for people to hear that they can be small. What sort of small things can people change that will make a big impact on their lives? Well, so for example, if you go back to the idea of making that fuck budget, and mm-hmm. say you are working in a job that I was working in where you had these, you know, business lunches and you decided that they were not necessarily serving you and that you wanted to try to get back some of the time, energy and money that you were spending on those business lunches to put toward something more productive uh, that made you happier, that served you better. That could be staying at your desk for those 90 minutes to get some work done so that you can leave earlier in the day. Or 
it could be taking a walk in Central Park, which I did sometimes as well. I was like, you know what? I need some fresh air. I need to move my body. You know, I'm going to take that same amount of time that I lost in the middle of the day. I won't be getting any work accomplished, but I will be getting some other benefits for me. So there are these, you know, uh, the the balancing of the budget that you do where you say to yourself, this time, it could be 10 minutes a day. It could be an hour a day. It could be one weekend a month. You know, this energy that I've been expending on a task or a person, um, there are definitely relationships that you can dial back on in your life that you can regain a lot of time and energy that you used to put toward them that wasn't serving you. It's such a simple but effective way of looking at life as well, like particularly the the relationships and the friendships like I was one of those people had so particularly in this industry it's so easy to like meet so many acquaintances along the way and then you become best friends with them and then you're like there's too many people in my life that I need to be looking after and like looking at the ones that aren't serving me and I love you said about focusing on what annoys you first so is that Mm -hmm. how you would remove instead of because we're talking about obviously finding better fucks in order to find your better fucks would you start with what annoys you first or what's not serving you first always is that what you you focus on then you remove yeah so in the life changer magic of not giving a fuck i walk people through this exercise in mental decluttering yeah and you know like marie kondo does in her book i break <laughs> it down into categories so you've got things which are basically you know tasks inanimate objects you know nobody's going to get their feelings hurt if you decide uh, as it turns out I don't like Game of Thrones. I don't give a fuck. I'm not spending an hour watching it. I'm not spending <laughs> half an hour talking about it on Monday morning with my colleagues. I'm not buying the books. I'm not buying the merchandise. I don't give a fuck. You know. And then you move into work, all the stuff that has to do with your office, um, your colleagues, your boss, your time spent um, working. Then you go on to friends and acquaintances. And then family is the last mm-hmm. one because it's usually the hardest. Yeah. And what I have people do is sit down and write a list per category of all the fucks that are being asked of you, you know, all the things you're being invited to, the tasks you're being asked to complete, the expectations of you, either from your family, from your partner, from your children, or from society as a whole. Yeah. Um, you know, acting, you know, being asked to care about the Olympics, being asked to care about, you know, anything going on, particularly in pop culture. Um, as a woman being asked to present a certain way, being expected to wear high heels and makeup yeah. um, and write all of that stuff down and look at it. And one by one, ask yourself, do I give a fuck? Do yeah. I care about this? And if you don't, if you feel that sort of just, oh, no, I do not care about this. I don't care about wearing makeup every day. And I don't want to spend, you know, 20 minutes of my time and energy, fuck bucks and $20 on, you know, lipstick every week. Um, you cross it out with a big black magic marker, just cross it out. It feels so good. And that's how you identify those things that you don't give a fuck about that you want to discard from your life and organize the rest of your fuck budget around what you have left. Amazing. And then from there, you identify the things that make you feel good, right? Where the places where you should be giving more fucks to those people. One of the things I really want to move on to, because I think that with this audience, is going to be so powerful for them is like when you learn to give less of a fuck about stuff it comes with this massive idea of needing to say no more right and you've obviously <laughs> written a whole book around saying fuck no and i think it's so important to cover because why do you think saying no is so powerful to leading a better life 
Well, it's amazing to me that people have so much trouble saying a little <laughs> two-letter word. Uh, and I certainly did in terms of being able to say no to commitments and work things that I thought, you know, if I said yes, then I would get more recognition and, mm. and my boss would like me and it would benefit me. Um, but there's also a lot of naysaying that people can't do just in terms of like party invitations. Oh, my or, God, yeah. You know, Asking to participate in something, you know, with their kids' school or to bring a dish to a family dinner when you're like, I work until seven o'clock at night and dinner's at 7.30 and I don't have time to do that. Um, so in Fuck No, which is the last book that I mm. wrote, uh, I really go through the reasons why we tend to say yes to things that we can't, shouldn't, or don't want yeah. to do. Um, and divide people into categories, you know, are you an overachiever? Are you just a pushover? Do you suffer from FOMO? Um, and, you know, and then I talk about different ways to structure your no that can get you, you know, that can get your foot in the door of saying no, that don't necessarily have to feel so scary. Yeah. And one of my favorite ones is the no and switch, which is mm -hmm. you don't want to say yes to whatever's being asked of you because you can't do it. You don't want to do it. You shouldn't do it. You know, you don't really have time, whatever that is. But you, for whatever reason, want to maintain that relationship. You want to be a helpful person. Maybe it's an invitation to a party that you don't want to go to, but you do want to see the person who invited you. So you say no, but you offer an alternative that yeah. does work for you, that does fit into your fuck budget. Yeah. Um, so really what I want people to know is that saying no does not have to be scary and it yeah. doesn't have to close all the doors. You know, people who suffer from FOMO can say a no for now. They can yeah. say, this doesn't work for me right now, but please ask me again in the future. Yeah. A lot of people think if I say no, they'll never ask me again. Why don't you just tell them that you'd like them to ask you? Again, yeah, so you know? true. I remember finding that bit really powerful in the book, being like, you can like, but please ask me again in the future. It's just no, I found that really interesting. And also the 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 four categories, like, are you a people pleaser? It's FOMO, isn't it? People pleasing FOMO. Um, what's the other one? Uh, overachieving overachieving pushover. pushover yeah and like being able to identify with a few of them in different scenarios with different friendship groups what to do so I actually had this conversation with some friends recently because I recently said no to someone and I said it with so much love I was she asked me to help her at an event and I was like I really can't I am I love you I adore you I wish I could be there for you but I just don't know if I can get there an hour before I've I had had so much going on in my life at that moment I'd been like moving I would it was like the month of my book launch coming out and also um I was living in out of a suitcase and I said no with so much love and um I was just dead I was done I was stressed and I was like I'm I, I need to give to myself right now and I really thought she'd get it like I wasn't actually scared of saying no because I totally thought she's someone that's also very good at saying no so I thought she'd be like okay like I took and it, it it's actually really not gone down well and it was really hard to do yeah and I wonder like how do you really like I had a moment of first where I was a little bit like, okay, this is really sad. And then I kind of was like, do you know what though? I still stand by that no. And if that is going to mean that our friendship changes or she sees me in a different light, you know, she's gone down the whole road of being like, I'm not sure you're my, the right friend for me. And I'm like, what? Like you're actually breaking up with me? Cause I said, no, I've actually like, it's taken me a while, but I've come to the conclusion that actually that's not my shit, right? That's your shit. Yeah, it sounds like actually that might be the, the best outcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what I, I go through, you know, these various steps yeah. in the book where, you know, you, you, you're worried about saying no, you feel obligated, you decide whether it's a true obligation or 
a perceived obligation. You decide whether you're making yourself feel guilty or somebody else's, you know, you say the no. And what people should understand is it's natural for people to push back. You know, I push back when somebody said no, I say, oh, I wish you could make it. Oh, are you sure you can't? It's a, it's a natural inclination to express your, your disappointment or maybe try to convince somebody to change their mind. Um, And most of us do that, you know, without even thinking. And if you, the original naysayer, can respond, yeah, I wish things were different to you, but I really can't, that tends to put the conversation to bed. Mm. Then there's going to be a group of people who are going to actively really try to get you to change your mind, not necessarily being malicious about it, but just saying, is there anything I can do to change your mind on this? You know, are you sure you've considered all of these outcomes? That can feel a little bit more heavy pressure yeah. and you can say, you know what, the best thing that you could do for me is to not push me anymore on this. It was hard enough for me to say no in the first place. I really need to stand by it. I really mm-hmm. hope you understand. Mm-hmm. Then there's a small percentage of people, which sounds like yeah. you encountered, yeah. um, who really are just taking it very personally and are very miffed and are going to express that to you in a way that is not necessarily nice and doesn't reflect well on yeah. them. And I've been in those situations a few times and my kind of very candid response is, I think the fact that you can't take no for an answer says more about you than it does about yeah. me. And I just yeah. can't let this, can't let this take up any more of your my time. time and energy. It was yeah. already hard enough for me to say it and I'm really hoping you can accept yeah. it. And if somebody really can't, it's possible that this friend of yours might realize after a period yeah. of time that yeah. they're being unreasonable yeah. and maybe maybe they'll apologize for it maybe they'll just kind of push it under the rug and things will get back to normal but if they don't that doesn't sound like somebody you needed in your life and i think i thought in that moment i was like but there are so many i've done so much work on this and and knowing when I can say no, that it really made me also see when I was when I was thinking about this podcast episode, I was like, there are so many people out there. Like I kind of at first was a little bit like, oh my God, have I done wrong? And I'm sorry, can I make it up to you? And then I was like, no, 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 no. This is you're throwing a choice out of the pram and you're talking about our entire friendship of all the things I've ever have done. I'm not tit for tatting, saying what I have done and I haven't done. But I thought in that moment, yeah, I've sat back now and gone, you know what? Like exactly what you said. Like I'm not giving any more fucks. I'm not giving any more energy to this. But so many people would find that really difficult. And I did at first to be like, mm-hmm. do you know what? I'm not giving us any more time. And they like, because they're scared of losing someone. So I think it's really powerful what you said and also sticking to your guns and knowing that actually that was hard enough for me to say no, 100%. Do you think we then need to learn to hear no a lot more on the flip side as well? Absolutely. I yeah. think that we need to we need to say the no that we want to hear in the world and then we need to be able to accept it yeah. ourselves. And that's something that I kind of unraveled for myself while yeah. I was writing the book. And and at the end of Fuck No, you know, I, I talk about how it's not only been kind of a long form lesson in saying no, but also in hearing it and accepting it for yeah. yourself. And maybe not maybe in the future you won't ask people for things that yeah. you kind of think, you know, that's a little unreasonable or it's a little yeah. too much or I don't really need that. Um, and that would be great if we could all just kind of be slightly more respectful of one another's mm-hmm. fuck budgets before we mm-hmm. even try to put something yeah. on them, you know, put a, put a line item on there. But also just, it's so much better. It's so much more pleasant to live your life 
respecting other people and having them respect you, yeah. respecting their boundaries and having them respect yours. And the more, you know, like we talked about earlier, the more you put that out into the world, the more people around you tend to notice like, wow, that seems to be working out really well for her. Yeah. Going to try doing that. Um, you also start to train people. So, so not you know strangers that you interact with you know randomly, but like your friends and family and your colleagues. Mm. When you set boundaries and when you enforce them for yourself, people start to know yeah. how far they can push you, what they can ask of you, what you're likely to say yes or no to, and that really does retrain you know them in terms of making their approach to you. And I've mm. I've experienced this on both ends, um, yeah. setting my own boundaries and watching people kind of retreat a little bit. And, you know, then it just means if they don't like to hear no, well, they can ask me fewer, for fewer things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also for myself, there, I, I go through, you know, a little kind of, uh, you know, thought process before I'm about to ask, you know, my, my agent who is fantastic, my book agent, mm -hmm. and she's incredibly busy and very high profile. And, Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't really need to ask her for that. You know, I don't need to yeah. poke my head in her inbox right now. Um, you start to think that about, you know, your loved ones. My husband, I'll think, you know what? He's got a lot on his plate right now. There's the thing that I was going to ask him for. Yeah. It can wait. I can do it myself, whatever. Um, and I just think that if we all did that, we'd all just have, you know, a little bit more breathing room. Yeah. We'd all be able to be nicer to each other. Yeah. We'd all be able to be more present and more pleasant when we're doing the things that we really want to be doing. Um, you know, it's just like putting on your own oxygen mask before helping others. Yeah, it's so, that's such why a powerful. You need to preserve your own yeah. energy um, so that you can be there for people when when it counts. It's so true because, like, firstly, I think we always learn from seeing people do things the way instead of telling them how to do something. When you show up in a certain way, people ultimately learn. But I think it's so I had never really thought of that like when you start to implement your own boundaries and you have that value and that ability to say no you tend to ask and require less and expect less of other people mm -hmm. so I remember being like well you didn't help me at my event when we was playing tit for tat she was like you didn't ask me and I was like oh that's because I don't ask people because I don't need like I don't want to put you out like that and actually thinking about what you said now that is really really powerful and me and a, another group of friends were having conversations about friendships and we were saying these days you have to have such a lower expectation almost like my, one of my friends was like Do you know what I've decided I just I really can only have friends in my life that really don't expect a huge amount from me like I've got two children I work full-time COVID's just happened we've had to you know survive the last year and a half and actually I need friends that they don't expect me to be able to pick up the phone to them all the time, but they know that no matter what, I love them indefinitely. And if they really need me, I'll be there. And it was actually really powerful to hear someone say that. And I think um, I get it, like friendships and relationships, I probably think are the hardest thing to say no to, right? And I love, I think particularly in the book, how much you talk about saying no to like RSVPing stuff, like how many things do we go to that we just don't want to go to? Like, and some of my friends invite me to their kids like first and second birthdays of parties. And I'm like, guys, like, that's just not fun for me. Invite your friend's kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I don't have kids of my own. My friends know that I'm not, you know, particularly interested in hanging out with their yeah. kids either. And, and most of them at this point don't invite me to those things. Yeah. Now I live many miles away so they can't but um but I do think it's important like I said you set those boundaries early mm. and often and then people start to realize what they can and can't realistically expect yeah. from you and you know I think that works well for family too everybody has different 
types of relationships with yeah. family. Oftentimes they're very complicated. Sometimes they're really terrible. Um, but as a, as a general rule, I think um, a lot of people think that, oh, if it's family, you have to do it. And I don't, I don't subscribe yeah. to that at all. I think <laughs> that, you know, you get to make decisions about how you spend your time, yeah. um, you know, with your family members in the same way that you do with anybody else. And I don't think that you should feel obligated just because you share um, you know, family history or yeah. genetic material with anybody to do something that you don't want to do or yeah. you don't have time to do, you don't have the money to do. Um, you should be able to say to say a polite, respectful no, and people should be able to go on with their lives. So yeah. I, that's why I break everything down into categories, both in the life-changing magic of not giving yeah. a fuck, and then also in fuck no, which is kind of the bookend yeah. uh, to that original to that, yeah. to that original book, really giving people hardcore examples yeah. of saying no in relationships, close relationships, family relationships, mm. friend relationships, colleague relationships, etc. Yeah, it's incredible. And also just even, I mean, obviously you are incredible anyway and you're such an inspiration, but having this like confidence in your energy and what you will and won't say and what you do and don't give fucks about, like instantly there's this element of like, I totally respect you and am inspired by you because ultimately we all just want to lead a happier life. And everyone really wants to say no to the shit that they don't want to do anyway. They're just not brave enough or bold enough too. So I can see how showing up in that way and having that energy makes people just be inspired by respect, like respect you hugely and also learn so much from you. Um, Honestly, thank you. This has like been such a good episode and I know it's going to really resonate. And I know my audience, I kind of alluded to the fact that I was interviewing you. I, I put your books up and I was like <laughs> planning for this and everyone kind of went wild. So I'm sure it will go down an absolute treat. But um, what's next for you? What's coming? I know you've just recently obviously launched your own podcast, haven't you? This year. Yeah, yeah. I did it. Um, season one is complete and in the can. It's called No Fucks Given. Yeah. And I actually just announced uh, the next book in the No Fucks <gasps> Given Guide series. It's called Grow the Fuck Up. Oh. Everything you need to succeed at being an adult. So Amazing. I'm looking, to, I'm looking to rope in my readers uh, at, a, at a younger age, but it's going to be designed for people at any stage of their life who feel like they just don't quite have a handle on adulting oh. and, uh, and it's going to be sweary and it's going to be practical and it's going to be funny just like all the other books so I'm uh, just getting started on that now and when will that be out coming out in spring of 2023 um I used to be on a very quick yeah schedule for for writing and publishing my books and publish six books in five years yeah the journals and everything and I was burning out a bit. Um, and the COVID year did not help in terms of my my mental energy and ability to be creative mm -hmm. and kind of focused. So, uh, so I took a step back and my publishers were totally on board and we just decided to put a little bit more time between me and the next book yeah. so that I could really have the ability to, to work on it carefully, work on the podcast. I'm going to be designing some online courses. So it's Amazing. going to be sort of a big year of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, as relates to my my no fucks given empire which is just you know the epiphany of everything that you say like no i'm not giving a fuck about rushing and making sure i get another book out in five minutes and yeah that's yeah i just couldn't i couldn't do that again yeah. i was like no yeah takes no. resilience and you know what it takes such a huge <laughs> amount of trust and you know what it worked out yeah honestly i had i had five months to write my book i literally nearly died in the process like i had to stop everything else because i was like i literally had no time at all and it was it was a first opportunity so that is where you don't want to say no and you don't want to push back because it's your first and you don't have that level of confidence and trust so it's amazing it's inspiring and honestly 
honestly, I can't wait to see. I can't read. Oh, I can't wait to read that. Firstly, and we'll have to get you back on when that comes out to talk all about it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you for having me. And meanwhile, enjoy the ride. Thank you. Thank you. uh, And all of the highs that come along with it. And best of luck. You have been listening to the Get Lit with Becky Rabin podcast, the place to be to build a life that you love and a mindset that will take you places. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to like, share and review us so that we can keep spreading this light and help more women light up together. Every time you share on your socials or with a friend, you help another person find us and help us spread that light further. If you are a regular around here, don't forget to click subscribe or follow. Add us to your libraries so that you can be notified of all of our latest episodes. And don't forget to also check out all that we have to offer at www.getlitinc.co.uk. That is www.getlitinc.co.uk to help you drop self-doubt and truly step into your greatness. From our group coaching programs, workshops, courses, memberships, and our very own Get Lit Community Coaches, as well as tons of free resources aimed to help you excel in your personal lives, entrepreneurial journeys, and in your careers, we have absolutely everything for you. And if you are looking for a coach that is right for you, then don't forget to head to our expert directory, that is getlitinc.co.uk forward slash expert hyphen directory and you can see our incredible directory of approved coaches ready and raring to support you on your growth journey you know what time it is it is time to step into your power raise your vibration and get lit flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 